0: Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. This is Luke's version of what we call and commonly called the Lord's Prayer. I don't know that that's the best title for this prayer. There are probably better titles for it. Maybe Our Father Prayer would be a good one. But I understand how it got its name, and I'm not gonna argue with it. Um, While there are slight variations between this version in Luke and that which is in Matthew, it's pretty much the same prayer found in both Gospels. Uh, Don't get hung up on on slight variations. You remember these are two different witnesses. Actually, Luke, who was someone that was third party, that was sharing what probably others told and shared with him. And of course, Matthew probably was there when he was giving these instructions. But this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father Prayer, whatever we call it, it all starts with Jesus himself praying. Now let that sink in just for a minute. That Jesus, who is the very Son of God, Jesus, who is God while being fully man, not only taught his disciples how to pray, he himself prayed. That's significant. And he didn't just pray for what he could receive, though I'm sure that he received much through prayer, power, and direction, and encouragement. But Jesus prayed because he longed to be with his Father. He wanted fellowship with the Father, he wanted communication with the Father. He wanted to be in communion with the Father. This is as it always had been and was meant to be. He wanted to be with his Father. Have you ever wanted to be with someone so bad that it hurt? So you wanted to be with them so much that Every time, any time, opportunity arose, you dropped everything just to be together. Anyone ever had that experience? I I remember when Don and I were first dating, I wanted to be with her all the time. And we didn't, I know this is going to sound so old man-ish of me, we didn't have cell phones or text messages or social media. Uh, we, We could barely, and we had a phone that was hung to the wall and it had a wire connected to the wall. So you didn't go very far from anybody else in the room while talking, but I wanted to be with her all the time. I looked for every chance I could just to sit next to her, uh, to hold her hand or to hear her laugh or to make her smile. This was delightful to me. I'd walk clear across campus just to catch a glimpse of her i would uh, i 'd miss one of my classes just to be with her i'd drive to the, uh, through the parking lot, finding her car and then sit next to it until she got out of class. I wanted to be with her and if a spontaneous moment popped up i 'd drop everything to be with her just a little bit more Now I realize that 's kind of a silly uh, illustration compared to Jesus wanting to be with his father but I think it helps me understand that, that desire just a little bit. Because I remember what it feels like to want to be with her. And so I know how Jesus wanted just a little bit. I know how he wanted to be with his father. And, and that's how Luke 11 opens up. He is spending time with this father. He is in a certain place causing one of his disciples to ask, Lord, teach us to pray. And when you think about it, there's nothing more critical for us to learn than how to pray because it's the language through which we hear God's voice and through which we grow intimate with Jesus And find direction for our lives and to stay in step with the Spirit. Prayer is more than just a wish list or an Amazon shopping cart. Prayer is a relationship. It is communion with the Father. So this is a really good passage to examine while we're in this season of prayer and fasting. And at the very outset, Jesus gives some of the most surprising instructions for his Jewish listeners. They were to start their prayer in a rather unconventional manner, something they were not familiar with at all. They were to not use a formal title of God, but rather they were to call him Father. The Jews, you know, they had a lot of names for God and they had a hundred different ways to avoid saying those names. They saw it as too holy and too to be revered so much that it should not even be uttered. And you understand the the honor and the, the holiness surrounding that, but no one would have ever, ever presumed enough to call the one they were praying to father. None of them would. No one ever had until Jesus. And that's what Jesus was inviting them and he invites us to do with him, to have a relationship with the Father. It's relational language, not religious speak. To understand further Jesus' understanding of Father You have to look at the ways that he himself prayed. Like when he was in the garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed, he used an Aramaic word to understand, help us understand more fully what he means when he says, Father. Mark 14, 35 says, and going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, Abba is the Aramaic word for father. That's his native language for Jesus. Abba, father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Abba is, is maybe close to our word, and a lot of people have said this, Daddy. It's a familiar term. It's heart language. It's going past protocol into family ties. It's moving past paternity into deep felt intimacy. It's more than just a name on a birth certificate. It's a relationship with the one who gave him life. And so... Abba is certainly a feeling word, but it's not just that. It's also a discipleship word, not only emphasizing intimacy, but also emphasizing obedience. And that's why Jesus in the garden uses it. He he says, while facing this cup that he is to drink, which would mean dying for our sins and separation from his father, it means that he is saying, Abba. Not only am I intimate with you, but I choose to obey you no matter what. Jesus is calling on Abba, who is completely for him, but also the one to whom Jesus is completely submitted. Jesus goes on to teach us to to pray that God's name be kept holy and honored and that his kingdom would be established on earth and we should ask him to meet our daily needs and that we ask him to forgive our sins as we forgive others and we ask him not to lead us into temptation it's a short simple basic prayer a model for how we're to pray it honors God for his love. It recognizes his holiness. It submits to his purpose. And, and it asks for our physical and our spiritual needs like our food and protection and direction and forgiveness to be met in him. It's what a child with the intent to obey would ask a father. And it's what a dad would gladly give. But Jesus continues his lesson in verse 5 of Luke 11. And he said to them, Which of you has a friend who will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him, and he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Most Palestinian houses were a one-room house, maybe a window, a door, of course, to get in. And... They had a hard-packed earthen floor, and in the center of the room, a raised area where there would be a charcoal fire going all night long, and the whole family, everyone in the family would sleep around that charcoal fire on mats, huddled close together for warmth. They would also oftentimes bring in their livestock, (laughs) you know? They'd bring in hens and roosters and goats and lambs, and they'd all just sleep together. Can you imagine? I have trouble with my cat sleeping on the foot of my bed. I mean, she and I don't get along very well. I can't imagine having a goat or donkey sleeping right next to me. But for one to get up from all of that, once you were all bedded down, meant that the whole family was going to be disturbed. So it's no wonder that this man did not want to get up and deal with his ill-prepared neighbor. When I read this parable, and you probably too, I've always thought of it as teaching us a lesson about how to be persistent in prayer. And on some level, I still think that it teaches that. But if you think the only thing being taught here is persistence then you might have a distorted view of God and how he answers our prayer. We imagine God saying to us what the irritated friend says to his neighbor. Don't bother me. The door's shut. That's how we envision God speaking to us. But we humbly just keep knocking, hoping that somehow the irritated one inside will open the door and give us what we need. I think there's a different lesson in this parable for us. Look at it again in verse 7. Do not bother me. The door is now shut. And look what happens next, what he says next. And my children are with me in bed. Who's inside the house with him? His children. Sometimes we feel like the man outside pounding on the door, but Jesus told us how we were to pray. He started it by saying, Pray this way, our Father. We're not outside in the cold hoping He'll unlock the door. We're snuggled up next to Him inside the house. And that makes all the difference. Imagine how different this man would have responded if one of his kids in the middle of the night had woken up and said, Daddy, I need you. Or Daddy, I'm thirsty. Or Daddy, I feel sick. Would the dad have just rolled over and gone back to sleep? No. Ask any father in here. He would have gotten up. He would have immediately dealt with the need that his child had. He'd get up and give them what they needed. And that's why Jesus goes on to say in the next verse in Luke 11, verse 9, And I tell you, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Why? Not because you're a neighbor who's ill-prepared and needs some bread, but because you're his child oh sure the parable does speak to our need to persist in prayer there are other parables that do the same like in luke 18 with the persistent widow who is asking and the bible says that we're to always pray and not lose heart and even paul says to the romans that we're to be faithful in prayer and to the Ephesians, that we're to pray in the Spirit at all times. And to the Colossians, that we're to devote ourselves to prayer. And to the Thessalonians, that we are to pray continually. But we're to do all of these things, not as an outsider, but as one who is inside with the Father. We were getting ready, ready for the... Love Your City walkthrough and tutoring center yesterday and we gather in a circle and normally hear from different people to kind of give a context for what we're about to do and and there's some instructions given and some some really wonderful time of connecting and as we were doing that yesterday, I was delighted to watch Rocky with his daughter Jubilee yesterday, one-year-old Jubilee. If you know her, she'd know that she's just a delight. She smiles at everyone. She so fits her name. And Juby was crawling around, interacting with all of us. We were, it was hard not to just be focused on her the whole time. And she is doing so well, crawling around, playing wonderfully. But occasionally, she'd come back to her dad's chair. And intuitively, Rocky was sitting there paying attention to what was happening But he was meeting her needs. He'd hand her a toy so that she could be entertained. And he'd pick up her bottle and he'd hold it so that she could sit there on her knees and just take a sip of milk. And then he'd move some obstruction so that she could continue to play and crawl around unencumbered. Jubilee didn't need to stand outside the door and knock. Jubilee was inside with her daddy. And that's how Jesus wants us to see ourselves. We're not outside. We're inside with the Father. When we ask, he gives. When we seek, he helps us find. If we just begin to knock, he is quick to the door wanting to open it. And by the way, if you are not inside with the Father at this moment in your life, he still hears your plea at the door and is quick to answer it quicker than this neighbor who was grumbling about having to. God is always quick to come to our aid. Look how Jesus finishes this teaching. Verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, meaning sinful, separate from God, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father Abba. give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him. Our father is better than a slumbering neighbor or even an attentive parent. If a neighbor will eventually call or answer the call for help, won't our father be more quickly, quick to do it for us? And if human parents who have their faults, but who still don't play tricks on their children, giving them something they didn't ask for, how much more will our Father give good gifts to us, the ultimate of which is the Holy Spirit who resides in us? He doesn't absolve us from our need to be serious and intense and persist in prayer. But it does mean that our relationship with God is more intimate and relational than we could have ever imagined. We're not on the outside knocking our way in, needing something. We are on the inside with the Father who is quick to respond. We're coming to our Father who knows our needs more than we know them ourselves. And whose heart towards us is generous in love. So, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation.
1: Amen. It's amazing how we can walk with the Lord and forget who He is, forget how He is. And when you were talking about being with him as our father and that that's where the petitions come from. I thought, yes, if we believe that, we live very differently than if we don't. That's true. Um, and we're, we're compelled to share that with people who have challenges that they're facing in their lives that there are no human answers for if we really believe that he does hear and he does answer and his love for us is the foundation of everything that comes from his hand, I would be more faithful to share that view of God with people who don't have him. That's true. And so my prayer for us this morning is that That revelation comes alive in you, not just to do you good, but so that you will be ministers of reconciliation with a good father.